welcome back to the Who's He podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this month's show, we're going to be looking at the classic Doctor Who serial, The Seeds of Doom. Uh, one I think we're both looking forward to reviewing, aren't we? Yes. Yes, it's been a long time coming, this one. So, uh, But before we do that, um, we're back to their usual format, uh, really. We're going to kick off with the news. Now, um, I think there's, there's a couple of... Um, Big news items. I think first one really is the season twenty-two Blu-ray box set has been announced, which I think um, caught well, it certainly caught me off guard. I, I had saw no previous announcements of this one until it just come out, and, it's, and it looks like it's going to be out in March as well. Um, yeah, uh, I think reason being is because I know the uh, the BFI uh, are doing a uh, one of their usual showings, which I think is going to be on the fifth of March. Uh, to time with, with the release of this box set, so March is a very very good bet. Um, now, obviously, I don't, I don't know if you're like me, Paul. Colin Baker's sort of tenure—it's not my favourite period of Doctor Who. Is when I sort of began to lose interest um, somewhat. Yeah. However, this box set uh, does seem to be a, a, quite an interesting mix of um, extras on there, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I think perhaps because they know they've got to sell it on the extras. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that the one thing that sort of, there's two things actually um, that that caught people's eye, and I think the first thing is does also include a fix with Sontarans. Um, now I'm going to be quite interested to see how they edit around this one uh, for for obvious reasons to which I'm not going to go into, um, but I think there's also a, a commentary as well, with Colin Baker, Janet Fielding and, and Gareth Jenkins on a fix on Taran. So that mm, that's going to be quite interesting as well. I'm assuming they're going to have to skirt around the obvious with that one. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's a little bit, bit iffy, that one. But the um, the one thing that I, I have enjoyed on these recent box set releases are the In Conversation um, interviews with uh, Dr. Matthew Sweet. Now, usually you get like one um, interview, but on this occasion there are three uh, with Colin Baker, Nicola Bryant, and it says a surprise guest. Now, unfortunately, they, they ruined the surprise guest with the uh, with the <laughs> the video announcement. It's actually going to be Michael Grade. Yeah. Um, now, I'm very much looking forward to that one. Uh, I think people say, "Ah, oh, finally, he's going to tell us why he cancelled Doctor Who." He didn't actually cancel it. It was Jonathan Powell who cancelled Doctor Who, um, but he wasn't a fan. Was no, he? He's I, got... I, don't, I don't think there's any secret as to why Doctor Who died. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> exactly. His time no, but uh, yes, yeah, so a very, very, um, very, very interesting in, in, in seeing that. But uh, but there's some brand new uh, documentaries, including a making of documentary for the two Doctors. Um, as I say, you've got the In Conversations there. Uh, Behind the Sofas, um, which are sort of obligatory now on each, on each disc. Um, extended episodes of Vengeance on Varos, um, the Two Doctors Part 1 and Revelation of the Daleks Part 1. Um, updated special effects for Time Lash, Paul. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 just, I just wonder if they're digitally going to tone down Paul Darrow. <laughs> not possible. I'm afraid that is not possible. No, yeah. yeah, we still haven't got that far with technology, no. have we? No, exactly. Um so you've got some pseudo footage, rare behind-the-scenes stuff, convention footage featuring Colin Baker and Jacqueline Pierce alongside John Nathan Turner. Um, you've got the radio serial Slipback, 
which is a six-part raid adventure. That's included on there as well. Um, we've also got Immersive 5.1 Surround Sound, Attack of the Cybermen, Adventures of Varus, and Revelation of the Daleks. Um, and exclusive new audio commentaries, and I said we've also fixed with some tyrants, but a brand new one is uh, for Revelation of the Daleks, which features Colin Baker, Nicola Bryan, Terry Malloy, and Alexi Sale. Hmm. Which I'm, yeah, that's uh, I, I, this is exactly my sort of, hmm, yeah, that's what I thought as well. So, um, yeah, as I say, it, it's a good little mix of, of extras there. Yeah. Really is, it really is. Um, and of course, you know, um, after this was announced, we had a specially shot trailer uh which was on the doctor youtube channel um which featured uh nicola bryant as perry um sort of kneeling at, at the uh at the monument of ikarnos the, the, was it the monument of of, of uh, brian blessed i should say so um yeah that was uh, that was nice to see as well i was gonna say don't we all don't we all kneel at the <laughs> we all kneel at the feet of brian blessed <laughs> i don't think we've got a choice <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, to be honest, I'm still working my way through the extras on the season 17 box set um, without actually watching any of the <laughs> any of the um, actual uh, stories yet. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll I, see. Yeah, like I say, I, I think this is why they have to do it with this one. <laughs> I think so. I think so. But uh, but I think the um, actually one one of the things I forgot to. Put on there, Paul. I think there's the. Uh, I think. I think also. By the way, didn't they also announce the Bonneville Snowman um, as well? Or did we include that on our last, um, our last podcast? I can't remember now. But after that was right. announced, um, it came out that BBC America. Um, there's no longer going to be funding or part funding uh, the uh, animated stories. So, yeah. so it remains to be seen if anyone's actually going to pick that up. So, I hope, I really do hope it's not going to be the last one of the Bonneville Snowmen. I, I, I like to think no. I like to think someone's going to step in. I think people are going to say maybe Britbox can't, might do it because then actually they're actually airing the animated stories as part of their Doctor Who content on there. So, I'm hoping that it, something will happen on that. I yeah. can't see it being the end. I really can't. No, I hope not because yeah, it, it's been a. A welcome addition to to the catalogue, hasn't it? It has. It really has. I mean, you know, if it's the only way we're going to get, you know, to see in some shape or form the missing uh, the missing stories, then then you know, I hope I hope they do continue. I really do. But uh, yeah, but obviously we'll um, we'll sort of continue to to sort of talk about these things as as and as and when it uh, as and when it comes up. However, um, now on to the next news item. Now, as one we sort of. A lot of fans have been bemoaning that Doctor is not as popular as it once was, and and you know ratings are down. And okay, maybe, maybe that, that that might have been an element of truth in that. However, um, as we all know, the BBC is celebrating its centenary uh, this year, and the BBC One show uh, conducted a viewer poll to find out what which are the most loved BBC TV shows of all time, and. Uh, and they had a, a full top 20 list here. And uh, at number two was Doctor Who, um, which was uh, beaten by Only Fools and Horses at number one. Um, so that that was a nice welcome shot in the arm to all the naysayers, wasn't it? Yeah. Surprised it me, I I've got to be honest. Because, <laughs> you know, the majority of at least 50%, well, probably more than 50% of it is comedy. Yeah. This list. So to have got there was, yeah 
quite a, an achievement, I think. Looking yes, at that. I think so as well. I think so as well. I think it was. Um, I mean, if you want to, I mean, I'm not going to go through the full list there. But as Paul says, comedy, a lot of comedy in there. Um, you know, like Gavin, it beat Gavin and Stacey, Forty Towers, Blackadder, The Morkel Wise Show. Vicar Dibley, Dad's Army, Dinner Ladies, Yes Minister and Stroke Yes Prime Minister, The Good Life, The Royal Family, um, and some of the. And he also beat some of the big sort of what you expect to be the big behemoths of, of BBC Television. Really, was strictly he beat Strictly Come Dancing, Line of yeah. Duty, Call the Midwife. I mean, if you look at sort of viewing figures, you know if it's if they're if anyone holds them in, in importance anymore. They're the ones that usually beat Doctor Who in, in viewing figures. But I think when it comes to sort of the most loved TV shows, I think, you know, as it proves, Doctor Who is, is still there. He still holds well, a, a place in, in the hearts of the, of the British viewing public. I mean, the, the fact is, just from longevity, it's got a. It's been through most people's childhoods. Yes. So, you yes, can indeed. See why that. I mean, Blue Peter came at number 20, and that's been going. If longer, if you know, I think it's been going a long as long, if not longer, than Doctor Who, hasn't it? Yeah, so that came right at the bottom of the pile. So, you know, though I think Blue Beat has probably dropped off the a lot of people's radar because it's only on CBBC now. Um, yeah, so it's not in the sort of like you know, the people who probably vote for this kind of thing. Um, you know, it's probably not as as sort of you know, present for them, but uh, no, it was it was nice to uh, nice to see Doctor Who coming in at number two there. So, it's interesting that, to know what the the parameters of the of what people could vote for, though, because normally with these things, mm. you do end up a lot of programs from the last year. Whenever you do a poll of yeah. what is the best of all time, about half the top ten usually tends to be something from the last year. Usually, yeah. I mean, actually, anything, music or films well, or well, the, whatever. Well, the poll was taken, it, it had 50 programmes, um, and they were chosen by a panel of experts, um, which was. Yeah. So we had Sarah Wallace from the Mirror TV, who's a Mirror TV, a Daily Mirror TV columnist, I should say. Um, David Butcher, who's a Radio Times Choices editor. Um, Dick Fiddy, the BFI archive TV programmer, um, and Hannah Flint, who's a freelance critic, an MTV movies host. So I would have thought with someone like Dick Fiddy being involved, yeah. um, it would have covered quite a, a wide yeah. sort of you know spectrum of BBC programming there. Program. Yeah, it'd be interesting to have seen what the what the fifty what, what the well, full fifty yeah. were. Yeah, 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 would have been. Oh well, but, oh well. No, that I mean, is we're sort not, not going to knock it. I mean, it's still. I mean, there, there's quite a few on the list which I might have placed above it. To be honest. So. <laughs> oh dear. Well, there you are. There. You are. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. I mean, I would have placed more and Wise Show higher than say Strictly yeah. Come Dancing, for argument's sake. Yeah. You know, definitely, definitely. But, uh, but anyway. Um, but now that that's the news. But I think there's there's been one one other major story. Uh, that's everyone's sort of talking about at the moment, and um, well, it's not really for us. It's not really news, is it? We're we're, we're putting this straight into Omega's tittle tattle corner. Here, Doctor, everything is possible. Now, yes, we know we haven't done tittle tattle corner for quite some time, have we? Well, well, to be on, be honest, we always said we wasn't at home to Mister Tittle Tattle. No, no, we're not. We're, we're here not. We but and here we are. Here we are. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the. the Obviously, you must. Everyone must know by now. The tittle tattle really is that uh, there's a rumor going around that David Tennant, 
um, is cast as the next Doctor uh, to replace Jodie Whittaker. Now, I when I first read this, and it, and it, did, it was announced, first of all, in, in the font of all Doctor Who rumours, Paul, the Plymouth Live. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, so, you know, if, if, you, if you want, you know, hot Doctor Who news, head over to Plymouth Live. Um, but this... There's, there's, there's two things for you go to Plymouth for. One, yeah. one is Doctor Who news, the other is Pilgrims. Yes. <laughs> well, it's it's really weird because I immediately discounted. I thought this is utter nonsense. Where's this come from? Um, it's, it's this Plymouth. Uh, obviously Plymouth. Um, I think it's one of these things. It apparently, says the typical spot on a on a Facebook fan page uh, that said, uh, and they had a, a credible BBC source had leaked the information. Um, now, apparently, this same source is the person who leaked the cast of Sasha Dewan as the, as the master in series 12. So, you know, people have put two and two together, possibly come up with five. Um, and I think people say, oh, because David, uh, you know, David Tennant left at the same time Russell T. Davis, and Russell T. Davis is coming back. So it only makes sense that David Tennant's going to come back as well. But there's all sorts of things that have been going on saying well, he's not going to be the 10th Doctor. He's going to be the 14th Doctor. Um, and going to play it differently. But it's only going to be for a few specials, say for like the 60th anniversary year, and then be replaced with the 15th Doctor. So all these rumours that is getting all out of hand. However, this rumour will not go away, will it? No. I mean, there are some bits to this rumour that actually sort of make sense. A, you don't want to give a new, a new Doctor, a new actor playing the Doctor... The 60th anniversary to do as your first... No, no. ...episode. So, to put it into the... Somebody who knows what they're doing in terms of... Has been been there, done that. Mm. Is very appealing as an idea. Two, they have sort of laid the um, trail for the fact that a Doctor can regenerate to a former form... Yes, yes, with, as, as, as we've the, seen from Day of the Doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And B, there's the argument that perhaps when a Time Lord is in female form, has more control over regeneration. Could be. And we're going, obviously, we've got that advantage with the Doctor at the moment. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there's... That there, I think that... I hate to say I think there probably is... I just immediately discounted it, but I think... The more this rumbles on, the more I'm sort of I'm sort of half convinced this could actually happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, like I say, I think there's there's some logical arguments that it could be done, that it isn't. You know, you you could do it. But you're not breaking any previous canon. You're not, um, and and you're not having to throw a a new Doctor in at the at the sixtieth. The yeah. other thought I had on this was. If you did want to make the, the the if you wanted to try and keep the, the identity of the new Doctor a little quiet while mm. filming was going on, and the sixtieth Doctor sixtieth episode was going to be actually a multi Doctor episode. Yeah, but we're assuming that, aren't we? Well, it's, it's only because they usually are. I just wonder if, mm. if RTD is going to do something different this time. But by if you like leaking this deliberately, if Obviously, Tennant seen out without leak without this story coming out. If Ten David Tennant seen out filming somewhere, 
for Doctor Who, mm. people are going to be looking at who he's filming with. Oh, God, yeah. That the Doctor, the new Doctor. Well, the, th- the thing is now, there because they've, they've you, also... If you, if, you now, okay. if you now try and... If you now present the fact that David Tennant's going to be the new Doctor, when people see him filming, they're just going to think, oh, the other people that are around him are just cast members. Well, I was going to—I was about to say that the other rumour is now circulating as well that Catherine Tate's coming back, but not as Donald Noble. So we got we got the you know David Tennant back, but not as the Tenth Doctor, and and now into the mix someone's thrown in Catherine Tate, who's not going to be Donna Noble. So I I like you. I think I think David Tennant will be involved in the sixth in some shape or form because he's always been up for. He's always said he'll come yeah. back and do it. Um, you know, it's not you know, it's not been um, averse to doing it. Uh, do you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if, if if even now Matt Smith came back. I think enough yeah. t- enough time has passed uh, for him for him to come back as well. Um, I really do. But hey, you know, no one's mentioned Matt Smith. It's, it's only because it's RTD David Tennant, and that's it. That's yeah. all people are interested in. Um, there's part of me think yes, it, it, this could happen, but there's also part of me thinks well. I think if they now cast a white male as the next Doctor, I think a lot of people will be... Again, you'll have the two counts. The two counts saying, oh, after... Um, this proves then that um, he had to go back to you know, back to having a, a white male in the role because it was an utter failure uh, with, with Jodie Whittaker. Then you have the other counts saying, well, you know, why haven't you cast another woman? Why haven't you cast a person of colour? And I think it's just going to polarise people again. By doing this, I, su- I suppose though, if you're gonna just, if you're just gonna bring him back just for three specials, before then moving on, what it does actually do is sort of just gives it a break, mm. so you can say, oh look, we're not now just gonna go through all the different type of actors we can playing the Doctor, mm. being whether that be female, male, or whatever. By putting sort of David Tennant in, you sort of then sort of you say, right, we've come back, and now we're going to go again. Yeah, yeah. It does give you that without it, people being able to say, oh, when are we gonna, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. Um, I, I, I don't. Well, I'm, not, what... I'm not. I'm not. I'm not bothered with you know how who just the best person for the for the role is all I'm worried about. Yeah, exactly. But I could so, sort yeah. of see that they could do that, as in, you know, just to sort of say, okay, so we're going to put a full stop to Jodie Whittaker's pause, and then we can go again. Yeah. Pause with David Tennant, and then we can go again, mm. and we can have whoever we want. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. It, it's just it's just weird that it's not been confirmed, not been denied. That everyone's in sort of that position at the BBC or, or at Bad Wolf or whoever it might be are completely silent on it. Um, hmm. And to be honest, it's generating good, <laughs> good um, I mean, publicity. To be honest, to, to, be, to be honest, yeah, it's one of those ones where actually, yeah, just let, let it's creating its own publicity. So let it run. Yeah, and it has, and it until has run and run, and, and until, until we've actually got something to say. Yeah, there's a lot of outlets then, have have picked up on this now. You know, the last thing you want to do if you've got publicity going and you're not having to 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 fan it is is basically to not kill it. Yeah, exactly. Well, what I what I did, um, I just jumped on the bandwagon on on our Twitter account, Paul, and I ran a a poll uh, to see what our, our sort of followers thought 
Um, if if he does come back, David Tennant does come back as the 14th Doctor and, and for a couple of uh, 60th anniversary specials. So yeah, the choice of three, it was uh, yes, no, or I don't care. So um, winning was no at 47%. This, uh, and uh, yes got 42%. So it's fairly close, fairly close. And I don't care was 10% um, of, of the votes. So I, ha- I have to say I, I'm disappointed with that. I would expect our audience and followers to be to be much more of the don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, like us, you mean. <laughs> that would be vote rigging, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and we all know where that leads, don't we? So <laughs> yeah, gets you gets you twentieth place with Blue Peter, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh dear! So there we are. We, we thought we we had to mention it because it has been, you know, we so we we don't usually deal with rumours and tittle tattle, as, as no. you know, as Paul always says. Well, we're not at home to Mr. and Mrs. Tittle Tattle, but uh, on this occasion, uh, yeah, it, it's picked up some traction uh, in a lot of media outlets and, and continues to do so as well. So it's uh, it, it was worth worth talking about. Yes. It is worth talking about. So uh, that's it for the news and tittle-tattle for this month. So coming up next, we're going to be discussing the Seas of Doom. So for another month then, that was the news. everybody we're now going to talk about the seas of doom uh but before we do here's a little clip tell them to keep a constant guard upon the pod and not to touch it till i arrive what you have done could result in the total destruction of all life on this planet what is a crinoid i mean what does it do i suppose you would call it a galactic weed it's dangerous it's deadlier than any weed you know how's windlet he's turning into some sort of a hideous monster where is the pod? If we don't find that pod before it germinates, it'll be the end of everything. Everything, you understand? Even your pension. The crinoid is an uncontrollable carnivore that's getting bigger and more powerful by the minute. People are replaceable, Scorby. The crinoid is unique. You want me to die? There is no chance! Somehow the crinoid can channel its powers rather plants. All the vegetation on this planet is about to turn hostile. The search for knowledge knows no boundaries. Nothing will stop me now. I will cultivate the crinoid. Miss Smith will be our subject. Like so. No! Scorby! 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 Okay, Paul, uh, it's your turn to start proceedings this month. So, uh, what was it like revisiting this particular story? Uh... Well, uh, yeah, I I actually said I hadn't watched this for ages. Yeah, but more because you sort of feel that it's it's there in your almost your DNA. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know what you mean. So, so I hadn't, and yeah, I had been really looking to 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 watch it. So I think that's why I suggested that we did this one. Well, do you know what, Paul? Think... It, we are coming up to nearly 11 years of the Hoosie podcast, and I can't believe it's taken us 11 years to get to the Seas of Doom. Yeah. I mean, we've not done it in any form, have we? No, we haven't. No. No, not even as a commentary back in the day. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's taken us a long time to get around to it. <laughs> it has, but yeah, it, 
it's just almost a case of well, I don't think commentary because I don't I think we'd have just sat there in silence watching it. I think was I think so. Been. It's yeah, I think I think there's going to be a theme certainly from me throughout this, Paul. Just before you get into it, it's just so good. It is just so good. It's not. It's not the story we we usually pick commentaries. We sit, you know, uh, or stories rather, um, to do commentaries for. We can have a little bit of fun with. Um, yeah. But this is deadly serious. It really yeah. is, and it's not something you can you can have a laugh at. It really isn't. I yeah. Before I I talk about it, Paul. Um, yeah. What what did you think? You know, after after all this time, then. No. Yeah, I wasn't disappointed. Um, I really actually enjoyed the book, which I wasn't quite sure, which does to a large extent follow the the TV, with obviously yeah. one exception we're probably going to come to. We'll come on to, yeah. yeah. Come on to. Um, but, no, it's, it's just it's actually just a really well-paced story. For six episodes that you don't actually feel like you're watching six do you, episodes. Well, do you know what? It's been such a long time since I last watched it, I forgot this was six episodes. It wasn't until I popped in the. Um, actually, I didn't. I didn't watch the DVD. I, I took the lazy way out and put it on BritBox. Yeah. So I watched. That's what, I did. Yeah, so what you did, yeah. So I didn't. I so not got around to watching the extras or anything. You know, anything like that. Um, however, I read the book first. I read the the, the target novelisation. Yeah, so yeah, before I watched it, and I pretty much rattled through it in a matter of hours. It, it's a very. That's what made me think this can't be a six episode story, because yeah. it was such a good read. But I think. It's because I couldn't put it down, really. I I just loved the story. Yeah. Like like I say, I don't think um, Philip Hinchcliffe did much to uh, expand on on anything that's that's in the the TV. No, with the no. book. But yeah, it just yeah it, it but it's just such a wonderfully paced story that I think actually it, it took to the the novelisation extremely well you didn't need to do much to it no i mean it's such a well-written story robert bank stewart um wrote the you know the, the you know the, the televised sort of screenplay version uh which is it's great um I, I must admit his stories tend to be on the serious side anyway don't they because i think then you write terror of the zygons as well um yeah which is another um sort of serious Serious style story, um, and there's a lot of other people involved in that. So as are involved in Caesar Doom as well, which we'll sort of, I think we'll, we'll come on to. Um, but yeah, it, it's 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 weird actually because it, it's almost like two separate stories. You got you got this one set in the Antarctic, and it shifts back to the UK, and then then it sort of continues from there. So it's almost like two two stories here. I mean, I mean, it's 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 a. Uh... It's a pretty, I mean, in some ways, a, a, a pretty formulaic Doctor Who. I mean, it's 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 base under siege, or rather, two bases under siege. Yeah, I think the only difference in being two halves of the story. It is, but the only difference being is the cast or, or characters you've got in the first two episodes are all killed off. Yeah. So, and they don't appear again after episode two, do they? Um, no. That that's what that's why it feels like two separate stories because those characters are gone. And you start off with almost like a new set of, to a certain degree, a new set of characters. I, I say new set of characters because you do get, obviously, you've got the likes of Keeler and, and Scorby, and Thackeray and, and Dunbar um, and, and Harrison Chase, obviously, do feature in the first two episodes. But then after, it's solely them, isn't it? In, in yeah. three, four, five, and six. 
but yeah, but the ones you spend most time with um, at the Antarctic base are, are gone. You know, so it's uh, yeah, I, it, it doesn't pull any punches. Does no, it, with the, no, with what's happening, there's there's no happy ending for the people in the Arctic. Well, to be honest, it's not happy for many people in this story. It's part oh, of the no, Doctor and Sarah. Yeah, I mean, that is it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, even the poor, even the poor um, lieutenant or whatever, Sergeant Henderson, yeah. who goes along, doesn't last long before he disappears no, into the shredder. The thing is, though, um, I mean, we 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 picked this out to to do actually last year, didn't we? Um, yeah. As a sort of tribute to John Chalice. Um, yeah. who, who sadly passed away. Uh, but when we sort of picked that as a story, that's when they announced that the, when we're going to do it, that's when Doctor Who returned to our screen. So we had to, we had to sort of put it um, to one side for a bit. But we definitely wanted to come back and do this again um, yeah. as early as we could uh, this year. Uh, so that's why we picked it. But also as the night we, we recalled, uh, which the 1st of February would have been um, Liz Sladen's birthday, as well, yeah. so it's like a um, sort of double celebration. But I think also the other thing since you've been off it, it's been Tom Baker's 88th birthday as well. So it's almost like a tribute to all three of them, really. It's, uh, it's always worth remembering when it's Tom Baker's birthday, so you don't have a heart attack looking at Twitter. Yes, indeed, <laughs> indeed. And do you know what? I think this is Tom Baker and Liz Sladen at the height of their powers as, yes. the, as the Doctor and Sarah Jane. Uh, it's a they are absolutely. I hate to use expressions like this because it sounds a bit trite and everything, but I think they are on fire with with this. The pair of them, they they really are. Um, and they, and again, it's one of those stories. And I think this is the type of story that Tom Baker's sort of characterisation excelled at. He is deadly serious in this yeah. one. You in get a, the in actual fact is yeah. This this what's what's so good about this is Tom Baker is actually. Playing it straight, yeah. There's no. He does have the odd little funny, comedic yeah. bit, like like that bit when he um they're captured at Harrison Chase's mansion, and he comes in and he and he's, he's they've gone back dressed as the chauffeur, haven't they? you know? Um, yeah. and when he walks in, he he throws the coat over the guard's gun. It's just a little, it's little things, sort of like that. Um, but. It's the well, sense... well, there's always there's always been the case that the doctor should be reasonably f- flippant in the face of authority, yeah, or, yeah, and, or, or, and... or, or under pre- under in danger. Yeah. He's always flippant. Yeah. Um, but in so this though, but, but yeah, but there is. I mean, the whole, I mean, his whole thing on this is what are you humans doing messing around with yeah. this, isn't it? And the, and 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 total distaste for the fact that they're being this way yeah i think it's that it's that whole um yeah again it's sort of like it's almost like a poet week type of thing with with the doctor butting heads with civil servants and then their yeah. lack of lack of action as even at one point that's what we need action we need action now you know um and that bit when was it major beresford um arrives in you know in episode five and the doctor's shouting his face waffle waffle like that, and it's sort of, um, it's that whole. It, it, again, it was like he was in Pyramids of Mars. Only he understands the full danger of, yeah. of um, you know, and the, the seriousness of what's going on. And I like it when Tom Baker does this as the Doctor. I mean, point he is rude to Sarah at some points as well. Um, 
but I think it's just because he he fully realizes what is going to happen if they don't take action. Well, it's, um, it's actually one of the the the, the I was going to say rare ones where the Doctor actually knows what the what what the what the threat is right from the moment from his first moment in it. Yes, yes. There's no oh you know we have to do this and we'll try that and we'll see. What the what, why is it doing this or anything like that? No, he knows exactly where this is going. Yeah, and if it wasn't <laughs> the stupid humans keep interfering, he'd have actually managed to have dealt with it quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh God, it, it's that. This is this is. I, I understand you can't have this kind of this kind of Doctor Who story every week, and it seems to. I seem to remember this particular period. Um, of of Doctor Who seem to be like this every week. I think it's, it, it, because you had that whole Robert Holmes, Philip Hinchcliffe, Tom Baker, Liz Sladen involvement there, and they're, they're all taking it dead serious and all sort of giving everything towards it as well. At yeah. this point, Tom Baker wasn't bored with with the role at all, um, no. and he was really you know giving it his all. And I think again, it was. Again, it was it's relying on that sort of sort of classic sci-fi horror because you've got a little bit of yeah. sort of day of the Triffids and also thing for another world um, as well. You know, something taking them over in an Antarctic base, um, but because of course by the thing um, hadn't been made at that point, so this is obviously riffing on the nineteen fifties film. So no, I mean this. I mean what what it what it was was is what Doctor Who did very well in that. Oh gosh, yeah, and particularly the Philip Hinchcliffe era did particularly well yeah. as well. Yeah, was, was take horror and make it for children. Yeah. Now, didn't this one get into talking of which Paul? Didn't this one get into a lot of trouble with Mary Whitehouse again? Which the Philip Hinchcliffe era always seemed to do, but I think didn't she take exception with the thing that like, people being strangled? Um, then someone chucked into a compost machine, um, which I can kind of understand. You don't see anything, no. You know, um, but it is. I mean, there's, 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 there is no blood, is there? I mean, it's no, not, there's no, no, there's no. I mean, it is fairly graphic, really. To you compare... know what's going to happen. Yeah, you do. You do. I mean, someone chucked into a compost machine. There's only one outcome for that if they don't. <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, Okay, the crinoids again. You got the like body horror um, there as well, which again, sort of, I don't think we didn't actually get from thing from another world. It was just like a big carrot walking around, really. Um, but it was, yeah. There, there's so many things there that I, mean, I think I mean, this, this this story stayed actually, with me. Had they had the special effects in those days that we have now, yeah, it probably would have failed to get into a children's time slot because actually some of the fact that what all they you know the looking at it from our well from our age now mm. looking at it you look at it and think well you know that's a bit that's not massively the most scary thing i've ever seen in terms no. of the crinoid and even the when it's taking over when the actual the actual most scary bit to that is the bits where They've just been infected. Yeah. And they know it's going to take over, or it's just starting to take over. By the time it's actually taken over, it's actually lost quite a lot of its scariness, which perhaps... 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think one of and that's, the that's not a criticism. Of no, the, no, of, not at all. I, I think because I think one of, one of the things when it's sort of that that's, that yeah. that you know the the, the human crinoid um, part of it of its life cycle, I think at that point. It was actually um, a, a Claws of Axos costume sprayed green with a few extra yeah. tentacles put on it, which is... But again, if you don't know that, you know, it. it I think... I, do you know what? Yeah, I think no. it, it still holds up really, really well. I think I the mean, makeup... Yeah, like I say, I, I'm saying I'm watching this now from our position. Yeah. I think the... Nearly. Um, the, the model work as well, when they blow up the base, I think that looks fantastic. Actually, it really does. I mean, even what the, what they do to sort of like you know they've gone on location, um, and they sprayed a bit of fake snow around to make look like the Antarctic. Oh, oh, yeah, obviously, it doesn't look like the Antarctic. It's not it's not white enough, is it? It's not enough snow there to do it. They could achieve that in other ways now, but um, again, again, probably what lets that down is the actual sort of blizzard effect they put over the top. Yeah. In the longer shots, which probably lets it down. Now, I mean, you could imagine actually if they could produce a a new special effects version mm. of that scene, it would look perfectly acceptable. Well, perfect, you know, you know what I mean. It would, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't feel yeah. out of place now. I think no, it I, is just. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, I think it. Yeah, I think I don't know though. Do you, do you reckon? I reckon if they, if, if this, when this gets released on a on a Blu-ray box set, and say, oh, we've got. Updated special effects for the for for the Caesar Doom. I would be sort of kind of disappointed if they if they did sort of you know when the, mm. you got the big crinoid oh. on top of the on top of the mansion or oh, the yeah, no, no, or the no, one that that's... or you see it shuffling about you know um, where it's just got you know just as tall as the house kind of thing. Yeah. I think it would take something away from it if they did like a CGI version. I like the fact that it's a practical effect. Yeah. You know, I, I think yeah. it would it I would think, yeah. I think yeah it's... It would take something away from it because I think you know that bit at the end when you got the sort of sort of slumped over the house and it gets blown up at the end. I think it looks. I still think it looks really good. Yeah, I really do. Um, oh, totally. You know, you, you know, if you compare to it's like you're watching stuff on um, on the, as we talked about earlier, the season seventeen box. I'm still getting through the through the um, the extras on there, and you listen to like Matt Irvin. Just sort of like oh god, creature from the pit. He's like he's embarrassed by it, you know, and it, you know, and he's saying because they just didn't have the money to do it. No, um, and okay, but I think on this occasion, yeah, obviously there were still budget constraints for for Caesar Doom, but it's it it just worked. It worked really well, yeah. and they obviously had a, a good idea of how they were going to achieve this. Um, hey, what it, yeah, what it didn't do was basically. In some of these, when we do these book reviews to compare to the TV, mm. you read the book, then you watch the episode, and you start feeling very sorry for the writer of the for the yeah. script writer, yeah, because you think, oh yeah, the book is the how it's described in the book is how it should have been, yeah, but actually, how it's described in the book and how it is on the the screen doesn't disappoint at all. No, no, not at all, not at all. I think it's great. Do you know what? I think there was... Um, I, I can't remember where, where I read this now, but I, I 100% agree with this person's take on this story is the fact this is the most Avengers-like Doctor Who has ever been. And you could yeah. imagine Emma Peel and John Steed. Take take the sci-fi element out of it, but you could have the, like... You've got the... You could see them going up against someone like Harrison Chase. He's very much an Avengers-style villain. Hmm. 
Well, I mean, yeah, Avengers did get into the sci-fi. I could, you, you, I oh, they understand. did, yeah. Towards the end, they did, the, yeah, certainly. The whole, of yeah. The, the whole idea of of a, of a man-eating plant is not anti-Avengers. No, it's not. No, when you, when you get to sort of like the, the, the latter Dinah Rigg era and, and the, certainly the, the Linda yeah. Thorson um, era, yeah, certainly. But... Uh, yeah, I, I just and it is and it, it is such a, a cracking good story. It, there's no let up at all. There's no there's no. When I watch this sort of like there's no sort of oh this episode's a little bit boring. There's not a single moment wasted on screen yeah. or in the book either, to be honest. Yeah. And and the book does trim out a certain character. I think we'll come on to that later. Yeah. Um, we talked about sort of Sarah and and, and the Doctor, which I think uh uh. Uh, you know, absolutely the top of their game um, in, in this particular story. But this story does feature my favourite bad guy, and that is Harrison Chase. I mean, I was going to say, actually, the book, yeah, he's he's good as a bad guy in the book, but isn't he brought to life perfectly? Oh, Tony Beckley's fantastic. It is just that such, not over the top, but so serene in what he's doing. Yeah, so totally evil. Yeah, with with almost sort of a flicker of emotion on his face as well. Yeah, yeah. I know it. it it's how can I put it? He's played certainly to the. There's an element of camp to it as well. The way he sort of conducts himself, and he, you know, and and the and the leather gloves and all that, you know, that kind of thing. But as you say, the, he's he's totally evil. He will sacrifice anybody, which he sees in the in the name of science. That was actually one good thing, one description of talking about the leather gloves in the book, mm. where it says he wears the gloves so he doesn't have to have contact with other people. Yeah, that was a nice little... Now, I don't know whether that was intended in the televised version, but I thought, if if not, that was a great way to explain it in the book. And it, and and it, it summed him up totally yes. on that, wasn't yeah. it? The, yeah. the whole idea of, of what he was doing, the, the higher walls and whatever, was just to keep people away. Yeah, it wasn't. <coughs> it wasn't any particular people. It was just all people. Yeah, yeah, I, I, which I thought was—it's such a great little touch. It really was. Um, I think. I think the only time his characterisation sort of descended to fast is nothing to do with Tony Beckley. It was that it was the line he was given. It's when the Doctor and, and um, was it Sergeant Henderson coming with with the um, with the weed killer. And he, as he leaves the room, he's like, animal fiends. I thought, I thought, oh no, that 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 was that was such a. <laughs> you could have just removed that. Animals would have done. <laughs> it was the fiends bit at the end that did me. And it, and actually, no, to a certain extent, it was also the one time where, if you like, lost his cool, which took it away from, took it out of the character almost. Yeah, yeah, t- yeah. It, it was a little bit actually. Um, because in the book, when he gets taken by the crinoid, the, in the book it actually it actually sort of describes the crinoid sort of sort of capturing him, doesn't it? Yeah. But I prefer, to, funnily enough, I actually prefer the televised version where you don't see it happen. You just assume that the crinoid's killed him. And next thing you know, he's lying on the floor, he does that little speech. And the camera work on that is is fantastic. Because it just sort of cuts, it's almost like a um, a fade, really, from the camera shot looking above him then it fades into like beside him close up the sort of profile on on his face and then yeah. giving it giving that little speech after he's been taken over um 
but again, I think it was just the way he acted, the, the way that, that bit was shot. Um, and as you say, totally evil. He wasn't over the top at all. No, I mean, I mean had, it, had it been, or anything had it like that, you know. Had it been played as, as you know, the sort of venting of anger all the time and you or know, like, like a um, booming voice or whatever. Or um, Holmes and Owen Soul Deed. If Graham, if Graham yeah. Crowden, if you think, yeah. Of, yeah. Had it yeah. been played like that, it would have diminished oh, the story. certainly. Such a lot. The fact that he was just literally, basically, this psychopath who had no faults for anything other than plants. Yeah, which was great, absolutely great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he is my he is my all time favourite um, bad guy. But then you've got probably sort of my as obviously we, we picked this originally as a tribute to John Chalice um, as Scooby. I I'm gonna go out and just say this. Um, I think he's probably one of the best henchmen from Doctor Who. Oh, totally. I mean, like I say, it's a while since I've watched this. Mm. And you do now completely associate him with Only Fools and Horses. Yeah. But actually, the menace he gets in this. Oh, yeah. Because I think think up to the point he'd been cast as Boise, all he got was heavies. Yeah. Because he was an episode of uh, The Sweeney. As well, he played a, a, a you know a, a henchman in that as well, heavy in that one. Because um, he said he, he, I think he went around just saying he just had the face for it, <laughs> really. Yeah. Um, which I, I'm but, not going to deny, but he's, yeah, he's absolutely and, brilliant, and, and pati- particularly in the the Antarctic base when he's going through the stuff there, like you know, just goes and gets the gun and disarms it. Yeah. And you just get that feeling, yeah. No, he's quite happy to that everyone, you know. There's no, there's no qualms about the fact everyone here is going to die. Yeah. As long as he can go back saying he's done his job. And even at the end, when he when he sort of cracks a little bit, or, or completely cracks, really. There's yeah. no sort of again no histrionics. No. You know, he's just sort of. You could tell he's he's getting a little bit panicky. He's feeling sorry for himself. There's no way out of it, and. That you know that kind of thing, and and he you think you know the immediately the doctors betrayed him, or the army have turned tail, run away, and and like that, and then I think, and that's the other bit that's missing from the book. Um, actually, is his little speech about he's only ever relied on himself. He's always got himself yeah. out of trouble, and that bit was was missing. Wherever he's been fighting in the world. Yeah, he's got himself out of trouble. He's only, he's, you know, he's only relied on he, on his own. Yeah, you know, skills to get out of, uh, out of sticky situations, uh, which, yeah, I, I was sort of surprised that was maybe Philip Hinchcliffe thought that was a bit corny. I don't know, but to me, it worked. Well, I mean, and it may well be that how it was delivered, yeah, that it worked, and perhaps when you see it just written down, it doesn't. Maybe, maybe actually, um, but no, I, I think he. I mean, John Chalice is. I mean, if you've never seen Caesar Doom, and I, I can't believe there's there's many Doctor Who fans that who, who haven't, but I know there are some that have only ever really watched the you know the the 2005 onwards era of Doctor Who. Um, if you've never seen any classic Who and or, or any sort of classic Tom Baker, watch this one. Yeah, I think before we go any further, I just want to put that go and watch this one because this is this is classic Doctor Who at, at its at its zenith. It really is. Yeah. It really is, um, and I like the character of Keela as well. 
it does make you wonder why he's working for someone like Harrison Chase, <laughs> to be honest. Um, well, I saw what... the, well the, 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 the line in there that he owns you body and soul. Yeah. It's, he's, he's obviously started taking his money and got used to taking his money. Mm. And now has got to the point where he doesn't feel he can walk away from it. Yeah. And again, I thought, if the, I mean, no, Mark Jones played the character excellent. Um, excellently, really. I, I really do. I think he, he, that, that nobody puts in a bad performance in this. No, I don't know why in the book I had image of that Dunbar was younger. Oh right, okay. Um, obviously I hadn't really taken that, but actually the TV and the the age of it that that line about he's been passed over as to why he's doing it in the TV, yeah. which I don't think was quite in. I can't remember that being in the book. No, that I must admit that one escapes me if I'm honest which actually sort of made a hell of a lot more sense as to why also he was doing it it wasn't yeah. just well, it was for the money but oh yeah of course he felt of course. he was getting what he was what he deserved as as opposed to whatever he felt he'd been let down by the people he worked for yeah exactly exactly um and then you got the Thackeray uh, Thackeray 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 let's call the whole thing off um yeah I thought yeah, he was a sort of like your, your sort of like your typical Doctor Who kind of civil servant, but he wasn't sort of how can I put it, sort of, sort of disagreeing with the Doctor or ignoring his advice. He's but maybe a bit slow on the uptake. But once sort of you know he sort of realised the gravity of the situation, he sort of got the wheels yeah. in motion, didn't he? Um, yeah, there was I, no yeah, and he actually was taking control of of unit, wasn't he? Yeah. I think that was the only thing that was sort of um, missing for this, and, it, and it's only because, you know, um, I think sort of you know, the brigadier missing. I think it's only because um, Nicholas Courtney wasn't available uh, for this. Was that um, yeah, Major Beresford is no brigadier substitute, really. No, but then necessarily didn't need to be to a certain extent. No, I think because it, it wasn't a unit heavy story. This one, and no. it, it, I mean, it could quite well have been. Actually, considering he was directing Douglas Canfield, and most most of his, because the last one he directed was Terror of the Zygons, which was a, a very unit-heavy story, and he did kind of do those, being an ex-military man himself, he 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 kind of reveled in those kind of stories, really, or directing those kind of stories. Um, yeah, you you had you had the little bit of the army rushing in and then rushing out again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, a little bit of stock footage at the end of Phantoms firing, you know, at uh, yeah. uh, at the house, which, again, I, I, I reiterate, it looked fantastic when they, when they, they blew the house and the crew up at the end. Um, but it's... I, it, it's actually... Actually, he was watching that and he was thinking, this is what these programmes did well, was the use of stock footage. Yes. You know, obviously, we looking at it now, in our... In, in our, our, our aged wisdom... Yes. Know that that's stock footage, but I think when you was kids, you didn't realise, and you think, "Oh, this is exciting." Well, yeah, exactly. I think the, I mean, I mean, to be honest, the one thing that that they, you know, they got the continuity right on their stock footage, because um, the first thing you see, you've got like, you know, four or five Phantom um, F4s flying in formation, and the attack runs are F4 Phantoms, right? Because they get this proper designation. But I've been recently watching um, on the horror channel Airwolf, and there's an awful lot of um, stock footage used on there. And it'll start off with one particular aircraft stock footage, and the next bit of stock footage 
It's a completely different aircraft. There's no continuity there whatsoever. Oh. So, and this was a big, glossy 80s American TV show. Uh, so you've got little old Doctor Who made in 1976 who gets it right, actually. So well done. I must admit, there was, a, there was almost a, a fault there. was actually, yeah, the person... I don't know who was in charge of going to get this to sent with the to the archive with the message to get well do you know I what want, i want jets on, <laughs> on well at the time they would have been flying f4 phantoms so that was true in 1976 um and i think a lot of that's to do with douglas canfield actually yeah he just seems to he gets those sort of things as you know being ex-military he he got those kind of things right he really did um but i think i, I i've got a actually before we get on to sort of talk to about douglas canfield and more the sort of production side of things a bit more um the one character who features more on the televised version and who doesn't in the book is the Amelia Ducar yeah um who's I think because Philip Hinchcliffe didn't like the character so that's when he did the novelization he, he sort of cut her out of uh, a lot of the story he's actually was reading a... the book reading the book yeah. the, the whole thing about oh he never paid me just, just was a throwaway line, wasn't it? But it, it was, obviously yeah. Is there because she's going to turn up asking for her money, which I think, I think worked better in the book. I think that if the only thing is sort of like you could have done without that on the televised version is the Amelia Ducar popping up at the house. Yeah, and it does change the plot somewhere because it was, it was, I think in the book wasn't it Sarah managed to get a message back to Sir Colin. But in this, they it's she passed the message on to Amelia Ducar, doesn't she? To um, yeah, to, to to get a message to, to Sir Colin. So um, then you've got a sort of like being a little bit that she she is the the comedy element to this story, isn't she? Yeah, on the televised version, certainly. You know, hanging around at the Sir Colin Thackeray's um, office, and office. you know, if you need He's me again, to get rid of her. Yeah, exa- yeah, yeah, and. Um, being sort of like a, a, how can I put it, a sort of stereotypical dotty old lady um, that used to get on television quite a lot in the nineteen seventies. Yes, yeah, so like the fact I like just... the fact that they think the the doctor and Sarah Jane are in trouble. So who are we going to send in? Oh yes, we'll just find the most dotty old woman we can. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send her in to see if she can find out what's going on. Yeah, I know, <laughs> bloody hell. Oh dear. No, it's um, yeah, I think that that I just say it doesn't. Uh, you know, it doesn't detract from the story at all. I think you you, you need a character like that because um, it's, it's such a serious story, played very seriously by all of the cast. Yeah. Um. So she sort of like just sort of lightens the the mood somewhat. But um. Yeah. You you no. can see why why she you 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 you, you needed that really. The book. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, wasn't, it was. It wasn't. You know. It was more. Uh, Oh, right, I'm not sure why they've put this in, into the TV, rather no. than <laughs> why was that taken out of the book. I think the other thing as well, obviously I've mentioned Douglas Canfield, this is superbly directed by him. Um, I think he just hits every note in this one. He really does. Um, it's action-packed. Uh, I say, as I say, it, it, there's not a pause for breath in this one at all. No. It's not, there's not a, 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 a duff moment 
in this entire uh, across the entire six episodes for me there, there really isn't and, and usually you get some padding in six oh episodes. you do you do uh but in this for me there isn't it, it just no. as i say it hits all the right notes um the music i love as well jeffrey bergen it's not uh dudley uh, dudley simpson for this because douglas canfield didn't get on with dudley simpson um, so he used Jeffrey Berg, which I think he also used in Terror of the Zygons as well. Um, and it's got quite a, um, it's a completely different musical style to Dudley Simpson, but it suits the seriousness of the story. Yeah. It's very, a lot of it's very mournful and they use different instruments as well. Um, which just, it just works. It really does work. And I'm, I can see why Douglas Canfield sort of used him when he when he directed Doctor Who. I really can, but um but obviously one one of the one of the things I didn't realise I just looked at his his wiki page because um, there was certain musical cues that sort of I thought of, I kinda of recognised because it uses the almost like a church organ at one point. And it reminded me of something and it was it was actually you know I, I like watching the MR James Ghost Stories for Christmas. Um and there's one called The Treasure of Abbot Thomas. Uh, which I now know Jeffrey Bergen did the music for, and in that one because it's all sort of um, sort of set in churches and clerical, it's all you know, and sort of universities that kind of. And he uses church organ in that as well. And again, it's because it's a ghost story. It's very sort of creepy, atmospheric music, which he uses again to great effect in the Seas of Doom. So yeah, and what I didn't know, he also, he also did the music for Monty Python's Life of Brian as well. So, right. go figure. Yeah, he's, he's got quite a um, he's got quite a, a, a catalogue. He's done a lot of choral music, a lot of, of vocal, piano, chamber music, brass bands, orchestral, stage. He, he's yeah, he's done an awful lot of, of different musical styles. So, um, sadly, passed away in two thousand and ten, um, but uh, at the age of sixty nine. But uh, yeah, what what a what what a portfolio, crikey, yeah really is but uh i mean I, I know music's not something you usually pick up on or, or, or paying attention to but um no for me it really stuck i think it stuck up because it wasn't dudley simpson yeah but i, I just love i just love it it's there wasn't yeah. a light motif <laughs> no there wasn't as you're being chased by a crinoid yeah sort of like the um it's, it's like when you've um it's on the three doctors is that very jaunty there's like the, was, I think I called the haunting Bessie theme <laughs> as the doctor drives up to unit. He it's all like very sort of, as if it's sort of, I don't know, going out for a country drive, not heading back yeah. to unit for a serious conversation. It just didn't quite work, you know. But uh, but in this, though, yeah, I mean, everything works in this. Absolutely yeah. everything. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. I really do. I really do. But uh, I don't think I've got anything else to add, really, because I, I can't, I, I can't find fault with this at all, and I don't want this, to this find is, fault with it. This is the problem when we do these movies. This is probably why we have put it off, because we knew there was not going to be a disagreement. <laughs> no, not no, not at all, not at all. Um, the, the only thing I'm going to take away from this, Paul, as, 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 a, as a negative, is why haven't they used the crinoid again? I mean, surely um, that, that is, it's a great. I think haven't they bought it? Have they done it on big finish at all? Oh, I don't know. Me neither. Because I thought if you're going to do an ecological story, and now because that's quite sort of prescient, isn't it? You know, yeah. saving the planet and 
and everything. It's a great villain or, or, or Doctor Who monster to use, really. And you could see the now. If you, I mean, if you use the crinoid now, you could see that okay, it's going to kill everything on 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 planet Earth, kill one animal life. But when you think about what's happening to the planet now, yeah, would that be such a bad thing? You know, you could oh, no. you could have that oh, in the story, couldn't you? It, it actually, they actually may end up with. Harrison Chase being a more sympathetic character. Yes, indeed. As it, as in the one, he's probably actually right. He's he's saying that humans are parasites to this planet. Yeah. Is 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 that necessarily now a sign of madness in him? No. No, it's not. No. So yeah, yeah. I I think it's it's it'll be a good Doctor Who monster to to use now. Really, if you want to be, you know. Um, Sort of not not sort of political or anything like that, but just sort of like be topical. I think that that's mm. it's a good it's a good monster to, to use again. It really is. But, uh, it would be interesting to see how if this story was one that had come out now. Yeah, whether people would be taking a oh we don't want to be preached at by these people. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Obviously, they were talking about the ecological problems. They were doing it all the way through the Pertwee era. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of again doing it in, in the Seas of Doom as well. But they put it across. They weren't ramming it down your throat. They weren't preaching at you. They just did it through the story. This is how you do it. Hmm. But but I, th- but I think, I mean, as we've said before, I think the fact that you've got six episodes to do it over means yeah. you can get your point across more subtly rather than you've got to get it all wrapped up in 40 minutes. Oh, yeah, definitely. And have a cracking so, good adventure yarn along with it as yeah. well. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I, I do you know what? I, 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 I kind of want to stop there, really, because yeah. No, I, I think we should. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we we've sort of um, praised it to the to the hilt <laughs> as it is, and I think now if we carry on, we just be, then we will, I think we will probably start, um, you know, um, start picking holes in it. But uh, no. Fantastic. Yeah, we still do 20 minutes on Seymour Green as Hargreaves. <laughs> <laughs> which is obviously, which is obviously, yeah, the name of the actor playing the butler in a, in a, in a, about plants being taken over the world is Seymour Green. Seymour Green, exactly. Who then turned out as in the twin dilemma. Do you remember that the, the, the cowardly, I can't remember the cat, what the character was, was it a chancellor or something? One of the chicken people. He kept, he kept pestering them at the end. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. And yeah. he changed his name to Seymour Children, by the yeah. <laughs> uh, Do you know what, Paul? I think we should stop there. <laughs> yes. We should stop there. So, um, yeah, so that is it for another month. I'm, I'm glad we I'm glad we finally got around to doing that one. That that was a yes. that was a I've really enjoyed watching that and talking about it as well. It was really good. Um so next month I think we're back to uh we're gonna should we cover a big finish again, aren't we? Yes. Actually. I don't know what we're going to do yet, but um, I'm going to say now, Paul, can we do a Fifth Doctor? We haven't done a Fifth Doctor one for quite some time. Uh, yeah, we can have a look. We'll have a look. We'll, yeah, so we'll yeah. have a look, see, see what, we've, what we've got in the bank uh, to do for the Fifth Doctor. But, uh, yes, yeah, so that's, that's what we're going to do uh, next. So, yeah, I think we'll, we'll leave it there, actually. It was, uh, yeah, yeah. That, was, that, was a, that was a a very enjoyable conversation. Well, we enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm, I'm, actually, I don't care if you enjoyed it or not, actually. <laughs> we did. <laughs> oh, dear. So on that note, then, it is goodbye from me, Phil. 
and goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. Oh, well, I saw the thing coming out of the sky. It had one long horn, one big eye. I commenced to shake it and I said, who are you? Like a purple people leader to me It was a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people leader One-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people leader Sure looks strange to me One-eyed Well, he came down to earth and he lit in a tree I said, Mr. Purple People Leader, don't eat me I heard him say in a voice so gruff you cause you're too. It was a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. One-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater.